You're listening to the Word of Hope, sermons preached at Hope Lutheran Church in Aurora, Colorado. Dear friends in Christ, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I invite you to spend a few moments with me reflecting on the Gospel reading I read just a few moments ago, but let me read it again. Now, as Jesus drew near to Jerusalem, he saw the city and wept over it, saying, if you had known, even you especially on this day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes, because the days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you and close you in on every side, and utterly destroy you and your children. And they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. Then he went into the temple and began to drive out those who bought and sold, saying to them, It is written, My house is a house of prayer, but you have made it a den of thieves. And he was speaking, teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests, the scribes, and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him. And we're unable to do anything, for all the people were very attentive to hear him. I'd like to first make a few observations and then make some comments. First observation I'd like to make is just pay attention to what Jesus is doing here. To do this, we want to pay attention to the verbs. So, what are the verbs that we see? Well, the first one is he arrives. He arrives at Jerusalem, his destination. In Luke's gospel, there's a particular characteristic that in chapter 9, at the end of chapter 9, Jesus resolutely set his face to go to Jerusalem. We're going to talk about that, by the way, in Bible class this morning. So to hear any more about that, you're going to have to attend Bible class. But uh, what we see happening now in our text is Jesus arriving. He's come to the end of his journey, his destination, Jerusalem. And he sees, he sees the city. Now you can imagine as he's coming up the descent, or coming up from Jericho to the Mount of Olives, that he at some point could look and see the walls of the city of Jerusalem. I personally have never been there. I don't know if any of you have, but, but I imagine that's what he was able to see. But I think there's more going on here than Jesus just seeing with his eyes the walls of the city. He sees the city spiritually. He sees what it does, and he sees its faith. And that leads him to the next verb, he weeps. There might be more, but there's only a couple times in my recollection where we see Jesus actually weeping. One was at the grave of Lazarus, his friend, in John chapter 11. But now he arrives in Jerusalem, his city, the city of David, Mount Zion, the place where his name was made to dwell, the temple. 
and he sees its faith and he weeps. I suppose we could say his heart is kind of broken. But why is it broken? So then the next thing he does is he pronounces. In our text it says saying. So he weeps saying. But he's making a pronouncement. The pronouncement is a pronouncement of judgment. And it is also a pronouncement about what is going to happen. If you had known on this your day the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. One of the things I think we want to grasp from this about Jesus and our God is it does not fill him with joy and satisfaction to have to pass the judgment that he sees when human beings do not see and recognize the things that make for their peace. But nonetheless, he sees it and must pronounce what follows. But why are the things hidden from your eyes? Because days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment upon you. The words here are talking about a military operation where the foreign power comes to the walls, the walled city, and throws up siege works and the kind of battlements to try to get up over the walls. I'm sure you've seen that kind of thing depicted in movies. And they will surround you. And they will hem you in on every side. There will be no way to escape. And they will utterly destroy you and your children. Why? Because you did not know the time of your visitation. Then he went into the temple. He acted. He drove out the people buying and selling in the temple and established what it was there for, a house of prayer. And then he went to teach. And the people were very attentive to his words. And then a couple of, a few key terms to notice. On this day, what day is that? It's the day of Jesus' arrival. Terms of peace or the things that make for your peace. Critically important. The time of your visitation. Attentive to hear him. House of Prayer, Den of Thieves. Now for additional comments, I'd just like to do this. I think, except for the part where he goes into the temple and casts out those buying and selling, the other key part of this text hinges on the time of your visitation. Because what causes Jesus to weep, what causes Jesus to pronounce all the horrible judgments upon the people of Israel at that time is because they did not know the time of their visitation. 
They weren't recognizing God's visitation to them according to His promise. They weren't recognizing God fulfilling His promise and bringing all of the blessings to them that He had intended by sending to them their Messiah, their Christ, their Lord. They were missing it. What were they missing? Missing the fact that Jesus Himself is God's visitation. Jesus Himself is the fulfillment of all of God's promises of blessing on His people. And Jesus is the one who in God's name comes and brings all of the salvation and grace and mercy and blessing and future promise for His people. Now we know that at least the leaders of the people were missing it, that is missing Jesus. If we were to go back into the section just prior to this in Luke's Gospel, we'd have the account of Jesus coming up from Jericho and coming up to the city to enter it. And it's Palm Sunday, and he's riding on the donkey, and the people are going before him and after him, waving palm branches and shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And Pharisees were standing by witnessing all of this. And they turn to Jesus and they say, Jesus, rebuke your followers. What I think that the Pharisees mean by that is, tell them to stop saying such things because they're blasphemy. What they're saying about you, Jesus, is blasphemy. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. But then Jesus turns to them and says, well, even if all my disciples kept silent, the stones themselves would sing out. They are missing Jesus. Toward the end of our text, after it talks about Jesus going into the temple and daily teaching, it says, the chief priests... And the scribes, those who were the teachers of the Bible to the people, who were the experts in the Old Testament. And, see, our translation says the leaders of the people. Actually, it's an interesting word in Greek. It's a word that means first, the first ones, the chief ones, the prominent ones. The ones we would look at and think, wow, they are really the elite and the special people of a particular culture. The chief priests, the scribes, and those people were seeking to destroy Jesus. They were missing it. That is, they were missing Jesus. Well, what's so important about that anyway? I mean, in our day and age, our culture considers Christianity to just be one among many other ways to God. What's so special about Jesus? 
What's so special about a day of visitation and Jesus being the fulfillment of it? Well, if we were to study the, the concept of visitation, what we would find is that visitation speaks of God's action in coming to his people in a decisive action, in decisive judgment, either a judgment to wrath or a judgment to salvation. But the point of visitation as this kind of preeminent day is that it is a hinge upon which all history turns, either all human history or all history for us as individuals. It is a fork in the road, either this way or that way. This way leading to life, that way leading to judgment. Or we could say it is an ultimate and all-encompassing either-or. And Jesus, in His person, is this hinge. He is the fork in the road. He is the one who brings God's presence and who brings the judgment that is a judgment either unto salvation or unto destruction. He is God's visitation. So, the message of our text, at least in part then, is we must deal with Jesus. Now, there's one other connection here, and that is terms of peace, or the things that make for your peace. Because if we look at the text, they did not know the things that made for their peace, and they did not know the visitation. Those two things go together. With respect to Jesus and the visitation, God intends to bring the terms that make for our peace. But why do people miss the visitation? That's the thing that's kind of perplexing me about this text. Why do people miss it? Well, we already answered it in part with respect to the scribes and the Pharisees and the leaders of the people. Let's not talk about them anymore. Let's talk about people today. Let's talk about us. Why do people today, why are they in danger of missing the visitation? That is, Jesus. Well, I think when we think about it with respect to the things that make for our peace, we can get onto it by thinking about peace and what people think makes for peace. And I don't mean peace just, you know, in a particular moment. I mean ultimate peace peace, ultimate terms, when they are satisfied, when they have found everything they think they can ever hope for, what do people in our society think today makes for peace? Well, there could be a myriad of answers to that question, I suppose, but I think we could not, it would not take long for us to think that a lot of people think that what makes for that kind of peace, lasting, enduring satisfaction, I've here found the ultimate, I've found everything, I've found everything I could ever hope for. They find it in money. Riches, wealth, things, big houses, fancy cars. They find it in power. 
being able to go to the legislature and wield political influence, being able to call up the governor and say, hey, I think you should do this, introduce this legislation in the House. Maybe they think of it in terms of pleasure. So often today we're hearing in popular culture, popular music, see it displayed in TV, movies, even popular literature. But the scripture says, eat, drink, and be merry for today, for tomorrow we die. Live for today's pleasures because all we have is today and all we have are the pleasures. And if you find those pleasures, then you find peace. What is missing? I think what's missing is a consciousness of God, a consciousness that beyond this life, we do meet God, and there is something beyond this life. The tragedy of our society is that it is becoming overwhelmed by secularism. And that is a view of reality where God, if we aren't sure God exists, and a lot of people I think are concluding God doesn't exist, and all there is is this life and material things, and then we die and it's over. And if that's the view of reality people have, then we can understand that peace means getting what the getting is good of all things glorious and wonderful and pleasurable in this world. But then it's over. That's such a tragic, tragic view. When our text, when Jesus is talking about terms of peace, he's talking about terms of peace with God. And he's talking about terms of peace with God that are ultimate and everlasting. And if people have the view that their only thing there is is this life and the material things of this life, and they don't see life in connection with God at all, then we can see how they're going to miss the day of visitation. Because the peace Jesus brings doesn't make any sense at all. And so Jesus weeps. That's a really sad part of the text, isn't it? It really is. And so there's judgment. But that's kind of the law part of our text, right? It's interesting how the day of visitation could be both law or gospel depending upon where people are, depending upon whether people grasp or miss Jesus. But let's turn it around and talk about the gospel. Here's the gospel for you and for anyone. Jesus brings the visitation of God. Jesus in his person 
brings all of the things that make for our peace. Our peace with God. The peace that really matters. The peace that has everlasting endurance. And he brings this in the things he accomplishes. In his death, they thought they were getting rid of him, but God was working our atonement. And in his resurrection, he wins for us and secures for us the promise and the declaration, your sins are forgiven. And all of the blessings of God, all of the goodness that God has for you, not only now, but forever, I bring and I give, and it is yours. And though one day, yes, you will most likely, unless Christ returns in our time before we die, unless that happens, you will have to face the reality of death at some point. But I have conquered it for you. And one day, like I called Lazarus out of his grave, I'm going to come again and stand on this earth and I'm going to speak and I'm going to call you out of your graves. And in the forgiveness of all of your sins, I'm going to bestow upon you eternal and everlasting peace and joy in a new creation. And it is yours. And I come to give it to you because I love you, because I want to, and it's for free. If we can think of it as Jesus asking something of us, all He asks of us is just to say, yes, thank you, praise God, I believe. So we thank God today that Jesus can teach us that He is the visitation of God. He is our terms of peace with God that lasts forever. And He gives it to us freely here in His words and in His sacrament. Thanks be to God. Amen. Now the peace of God which surpasses all human understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope. We hope your time with us was one of joy and peace in hearing the Lord's Word and kindness. If you have questions about anything you heard on today's broadcast, please don't hesitate to contact us at office at hope-aurora.org or call the office at 303-364-7416. For more information about our congregation, for locations, service time, and schedule, please visit our website at www.hope-aurora.org. Thank you for listening to the Word of Hope.